Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our first ever podcast on the EKN Radio Network, a, a brand new program with our EKN editorial uh, staff members, Dave Cole and Rob Howden here with you. This is called the EKN Debrief. Again, a first of what we believe will be many different uh, unique shows on the EKN Radio Network. Uh, of course, David Cole joining me from uh, the head offices of HMG Editorial in Grand Rapids, Michigan. David, uh, great to have you on our first uh, uh, podcast. It should be some fun, I think. Yeah, it's something new and different. Uh, we've done this before and previously, but uh, this is a new avenue that we're going with with the uh, uh, site that we've been doing for the last few years, and uh, it's exci- it's exciting time. You know, it's funny. It's a podcast or something that a lot of people are doing right now, and you and I have talked about getting it going again. And I say again because we actually did one, I think it was about 12 years ago. I think we talked about maybe 2005, 2006. We used to do the happy hour with Howden. We'd uh, fire things up. You, myself, uh, Tim Blaney, who was the editor of Shifter Card Illustrated Magazine at that point, Super Card Illustrated Magazine. Uh, we would do podcasts from hotel uh, restaurants, <laughs> from uh, from hotel lobbies. Uh, we did one on the front straightaway at uh, the Super Nationals at Sam Boyd Stadium one year. We've uh, we've had some interesting places to do, to do them back in the day. Yeah, I think our first time we ever did it was down in Austin, Texas at the Stars finale. Stars of Carding finale in 2005. At, we, in, in Austin? In Austin, Texas, exactly. Uh, the, the the airport track. It's no longer Black. there. That's right. That's right. What's it called again? Was it Black Rock or something like Iron that? Rock, Iron, Iron Rock. Iron Rock. Iron Rock Raceway. And Rock, right at the airport. Right at the airport. So you land at the airport. It was awesome. You land at the airport and you look out your window as you're taxiing to the gate and you see the cart, cart track. Yeah. It was one of the best locations for for a racing facility so the podcast obviously not new for david and i and the ekn crew we've done many of them and we laughed about the fact that the one we did at uh, at the super nationals and the front straight at sam boyd i think we had alan rudolph as one of our guests for that podcast that happy hour with howden and, and I, I believe david and you and i are talking i think aiden rudolph was just born at that point now of course uh, we see him running national races around the country but he i think he was just a baby at that point yeah, it had to have been 2006 because my Aiden was born in 2007. I wasn't able to attend that Super National. So I believe right. it was 2006. We we sat out there on the front straightaway with the lights. It was at, not, at, at night after, at night. I think, the power power of our. <laughs> it was dark. Hour of power. Uh, yeah, session that they had. We had Ron White, I believe, there and then That's Alan right. Rudolph. And I believe maybe one other guest, but uh, yeah, we've had this this kind of show at different places. I mean, some of the funny ones were in hotel lobbies, which is people walking by. Oh, hey, there's so and so. Let's bring them over. Let's talk. Know, to that's them. right. That's right. That was good stuff. It was kind of it was kind of the uh, the the first beginnings of podcasts, and it was something that was hard to do at the beginning. But now there's so many so many new advancements in technology that we can we can literally sit miles and miles apart and do this together true true of course uh, i'm at home here in cambridge ontario canada you're down in grand rapids uh just to fill people in those of you who may be listening here and first of all uh, thank you so much for downloading or tuning in uh this is something that dave and i have wanted to do for a long time we're gonna have a lot of fun with uh this is our debrief that's what we're gonna call essentially a, a wrap-up i guess if you will david of, of what's going on in the sport we're planning some other different approaches different shows down the line but this was it's going to kind of just be a way for us to talk about what's happening in the sport right now bring people up to speed uh and this particular uh episode episode one is brought to you by russell karting specialties and Paralim. we do want to thank jim russell and the crew for uh jumping online with us 
uh, as a commercial bit, uh, Jim told me, here's the deal. You buy, if you buy something online at russellcarding.com and put Sonoma 17 in the comments, you'll get 17% off your order if it's $100 or more. They've actually signed up uh, to be our presenting sponsor for the EKN live broadcast from the Supercarts USA Spring Nationals in Sonoma in uh, just a couple of weeks, hence the Sonoma 17. Put that in the comments, 17% off an order from Russell Carding specially. So a pretty good way to kick off our first podcast here on the EKN Radio Network. So, David, if we jump right into this thing, uh, obviously the big news over the last couple of weeks um, is essentially the, the dissolution of the partnership between Max Speed and BRP Rotex. Uh, a big thing, a major announcement in terms of the Rotex program moving forward. Uh, of course, you and I went from that, moved to the Challenge of the Americas finale with Andy Saisman and his amazing crew. Obviously, a lot of great road tax racing there as well, but I'll let you bring it up. You know, you add your, your thoughts to it, but the future of road tax in the United States is, is really kind of up in the air right now. There's a lot of engines out there. What are your thoughts on, on how things are going to move forward? Well, it, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen because right now we have Michelle Boyclair, who's kind of being the temporary director for what's going on in the United States. Well, he's also the director in Canada. And he's one that's been involved in Rotax since the very beginning. Uh, I believe it was late 1999 in the early 2000s when Rotax actually came back with the FR125 MAX engine. And when it began, it was designed to be a club-type engine. It wasn't designed to be raced at the national, international level. Well... (laughs) You know how things happen in karting. It just evolved from there, and it, and it's blown up, and it's worldwide. And it's been an awesome, amazing thing. Just now, we're, we're just with this with this deal going on now, it's kind of a state of flux for, for, for long time and new Rotax customers. You know, it's it, the engine's not going to go away. We know that. I mean, BRP has has been mass producing this engine for a long time, and we don't... Yeah, there's parts everywhere. We yeah. don't, I don't see this engine going away anytime soon. It Now, just who is going to direct it here in the United States? That's what we don't know. True, true. And, you know, the funny thing, you, you talk about the fact when it first came out, and it really was an amazing program. It was that club designed to be a club-level engine. Service centers were able to just service the engine. There was no engine builders, right? They just serviced the engine. You brought it in. They did what, what BRP told them to do, service it. And the beauty of it was you were a club racer. You raced your club. You raced maybe a regional series. You qualified to go to the Grand Nationals, and you and I have attended many of those Grand Nationals and, and really enjoyed them as well. Uh, just some great racing, and of course that big, you know, the big prize at the end of the Grand Nationals was you were able to go then run uh, at the the Grand Finals wherever it may be. You know, back in the day it was the Canary Islands, uh, it was Egypt, that kind of thing. Um, and to see, you're right, it kind of developed. I think, uh, you know, I think the couple of the series over in Europe, the Euro Challenge kind of changed everything. All of a sudden, people jumped on board. Rotax was getting some momentum. There were racers on the club level. And all of a sudden, people said, hey, we need to have a, we need to have a pro series. And that's just, it happens all the time. People jump on board. They want, they want to go pro. They want a bigger, uh, bigger uh, stage to, to participate on. And, and, I don't, and I'm not going to say that was uh, what was wrong with it, but it definitely morphed the program to the to the uh, the point where we had engine builders. We we had you know everything was moving in the right direction, and or at least not in the right direction. It was moving in its own direction. But David, as you said, I, th- I think really we're kind of in a state of flux because in, until we know who's going to pick up the ball and run with it, uh, I think we're all kind of just sitting here second guessing what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not so much. I mean, 
it, it, it's really hard to describe what's going to happen with it because until we know if, if anybody wants to step up and promote this, this engine package and, and distribute it in the United States, we really don't know what's going to happen. But the, the progression of Rotax, it just, it's just kind of what happens in motorsports. I mean, no matter what, people are going to have money to spend. And yep, it, you true. could you could be a club guy and have have a thousand dollar budget, or you could be somebody that is had a successful career in in what they do, and they can spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on karting. It just it doesn't you know. But the the thing about it is, it all depends on what you do on the racetrack. And sure so enough, with you know. with the Rotax package, we we've seen that you know high dollar teams can race. Or, you know, low low budget teams can race just as well as the high dollar budget teams, and it, it we get that in karting, and that's why karting is still the purest form of motorsports. But you know, go ahead. I, I, I just get David. You know, the, probably the biggest hole, or maybe the biggest unknown right now, uh, is what's going to happen with the Florida Winter Tour. Uh, Bill Wright obviously did an amazing job with that program, uh, grew it into essentially the destination series in North America. You know, it was that kind of off-season deal. It never really, I didn't ever feel it really affected everything that happened for the rest of the season. It was this amazing kind of vacation series that brought people to sunny Florida from wherever, South America, Europe, Canada. Um, and it was just, it was that big thing for a while. You know, it was for many years, 10 plus years, it was the place to be. That's where you were going to be uh, in the winter if, if you were going to prime yourself up for the off-season. Now, with Max being essentially dissolving, uh, we look forward to seeing who is going to fill that gap because uh, you know someone's going to step in there, David, because people like to go to Florida in the winter. They want to get a chance to get on the racetrack and get tuning in. You know, Rock's already there. The Rock Cup program was already obviously ultra successful uh, this year in Florida. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we've, we're seeing grumblings online that potentially Supercarts USA might do something in Florida uh, as well. I think that's really that. That's really one of the. Uh, the factors we're going to look at right now. We don't we don't know what's happening there, and that's really an unknown. That I think in the next you got to think the next couple of weeks to a month, uh, we're going to find out what's going to happen in Florida next year. Well, the Florida Winter Tour, uh, thank thankfully to Bill Wright, he he developed a brand. It, it became a brand. It used to be a small little thing when it first started. That was you know you know a little bit of racers here and there having a good time, like you said, a little destination thing. But now it's become a brand. It's become worldwide known. Thanks to you know the promotion of Bill Wright, and then when Max Speed Max Speed took it over, they continued that that international campaign, bringing you know some of the top Europeans still over to race, and and the introduction of the Rock Cup coming in, you know they brought in some of their racers as well internationally too to race at the Winter Tour. Um, you know this year was one of their biggest years I think with the Rock program. So yeah, it, it it you know I I. I I foresee the rock program continuing in 2018 and probably beyond. It's a matter of, okay, what's going to join it, if anything. Yeah. Um, True enough. And that's, you know, David, in bringing up rock, that's one of the, the biggest interesting things that's happening right now. Not only are we talking about Max Speed going away and the Rotax kind of being in a state of flux, but all of a sudden now the other two engine manufacturers are stepping up to try to see if they can't. Uh, take advantage. Let's say take advantage of, or fill a fill a gap, fill a need. Support drivers who may want to get out of what they have. As we have trading programs now being offered by both IME and Rock, where you can trade in your Rotax and pick up another motor. It's it's definitely it's definitely an odd time in the sport right now. 
Well, it, it's just an easier way for them to bring in new customers. And, and really, it could be still some of the customers they've already had. It's just they could replace their Rotax engines for more AME or Rock product. Sure. Um, but I think the, the main goal is to say, hey, look, you know, you, there's, there's no national program for you right now with a Rotax engine. You can come race either IAMI or Rock. Because we see right now with Rock adding Garrett Potter to their staff, they're going to be really aggressive over this season developing a program for 2018 to go across the country. Because right now they're kind of just have a little bit of cells here or there. Yeah. And I think they really want to be aggressive in in going across the country. You know what? Uh, let's let's put that Rotax to bed now. That program with Max Speed. Let's let's actually talk about some actual Rotax racing because you and I were able to get back from a, another awesome weekend uh, at the Challenge of the Americas. The finale was fun. The uh, we were up at Sonoma the Sim Raceway uh, Performance Karting Center. It was a great year for the program. Always awesome racers there too, and to see some of these kids that have worked their way up through the ranks, it's it's, it's really cool to see. Uh, you know, we remember we look back at when guys like uh, Kellen Ritter and, and Christian Brooks and, and Bryce Choker were were running in those junior categories, even back into the mini categories. So uh, to be able to watch them kind of develop through the program has been good. Now, let's let's have a look back at, at the Challenge of the Americas finale, David. That was uh, uh, it was a great year, but uh, a fun weekend in Sonoma. Well, yeah. Anytime you're at a Challenge of the Americas race, you're going to have a good time. True. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter if if it's raining or if it's dry. Thankfully, the last few years it's been pretty dry. But uh, we had a bit of wet weather uh, in Sonoma Thursday. The paddock got hit pretty hard, but uh, everybody was able to uh, be uninjured and keep going on through the weekend. But anytime you go to the challenge race and Andy Saisman, it's it's just an amazing program to be part of, and all the staff that he has there. And there's no doubt about it. He's uh, assembled a quality team, uh, if not the best uh, crew in the sport. They do a fantastic job top to bottom. You know, David, one of the things for me was the fact that like you said you, you mentioned the weather. And, of course, it was wet. It rained all day on Friday for practice. But Saturday it rained in the morning, stopped raining. And you and I just sat back and waited to see which main event it was going to be where the drives were going to be better than the rains. And it looked like it was going to be junior. Max, but it ended up not being Junior Max because it was so wild to see some of the local guys who know the racetrack, who know how smooth, how smooth Sonoma is, and the fact that, as Mamo Gidley told us when he came in to say hello, you could probably drive around that track for, for 10 laps in a full dry using rain tires, and you're not going to burn them down as much, not, at least not going to fall apart. So in that Junior race, it was those local guys who stayed on the reins when everybody up front went on the slicks, and and they dominated. I, I was so blown away. Even you know, the track looked so dry, except for maybe down in tic tac toe and and the you know the braking zone into seven. Otherwise, I thought I would have thought slicks were a no brainer. <laughs> we were wrong. Well, that's where local knowledge uh, prevails. Uh, certain tracks dictate to that. You know, you know the track handles. I mean, you look at Newcastle. The way the rubber lays down, it, it, it changes the track throughout the day, from the beginning to the middle to the end. So, you know, the Cameron karting guys there and a few others that that call Sonoma home, they know the track's not going to have the grip level, especially as cold as it was. I mean, the sun was out a little bit, yeah, but it wasn't heating up the racetrack and drying it up as much as we thought it would be. And that was a key part into their success in the junior race because we saw a lot of the big big names go to the to the dry uh, mojo tires and it ended up being the wet mojo tires that were actually had the more grip. 
<laughs> Let's talk about the, the champions. Let's recap the champions that were able to uh, get out of that event and that series this year with championship titles. Well, the, yeah, the senior category always comes down to the wire. We see that year in and year out. And uh, with the Christian Brooks uh, coming in as the defending champion, he obviously had the target on his back. Uh, but three wins and th- or two, sorry, two wins. And uh, towards the end of the season, he was able to uh, to put himself at the top of the standings. But at the end of the year. I find it very interesting, the battle that kind of uh, developed in the junior class as well between Jack Crawford and Hannah Greenmeyer. Uh, Hannah really stepped up her game. You know, Jack's a known entity. Obviously, he's uh, won titles before. And, and it, uh, even in his rookie year in the junior category, uh, they just had a really good battle throughout the entire season. Well, Hannah's a second-year junior driver. Jack was his first rookie year. But as you said, he's had a number of success at this program and throughout the country. And so we knew these were going to be two of the top guy, two of the top drivers uh, in the junior category, and and Hannah continues to develop as a driver every weekend. And the last round, we we finally got to see her get that elusive victory that she's been searching for at the program. And it, while she got the win, it did put her a little bit short in the championship, and uh, Crawford was able to prevail and become a uh, first-time Team USA member. You know. Uh... Moving into the Masters category, there obviously a lot of guys with a lot of talent in that program. Paul Benilla is very fast. Uh, we saw David Pergandi step up to another level here this year. Uh, uh, Wallace was fast as well. Uh, he was able to, to have a couple of really good runs. But, man, Billy Cleveland, you got to be kidding me. Seven, seven or six straight wins this year? He just dominated. Well, the, the guy works. He's a workhorse. I mean, we, okay. we see it every weekend at the racetrack. The guy is just 100% focused on – being the best he possibly can and and working under the RPG tent uh, in Phoenix as part of our on track program, you know, talking with him, it just he's very dedicated. I mean, he's he's more he's got so much dedication to just his own program. It's unbelievable. I mean, some of these young drivers need to look at Billy as a type of role model and be like, you know what, I want to drive myself to be just like Billy in terms of. Uh, work effort and and the talent that he shows on and off the track because Billy he wrenches on his own stuff too I mean yeah. he, he's he's a longtime veteran of the sport and and there's no doubt I mean six wins is an unbelievable mark to to set but uh, it it wasn't easy and he put in the hard work I agree you know what and you're right as a role model a guy with that kind of dedication uh, you let a young kid look at him and say yeah that, that's what I need to emulate that's uh, you're gonna find success if, if you do that uh, let's wrap it up, DC, with uh, micro and mini. We didn't get uh, the fields we were hoping for this year, uh, but still, some really good battles in, in the micro category. Sebastian Mulder obviously having a pretty good run and a pretty good year. Yeah, the Benick uh, chassis is 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 really developed as the go-to almost in in these cadet level classes, and we saw Sebastian Mulder and Parker DeLong both aboard a Benick. Uh, those two went back and forth all year long, actually entering Sonoma tied. Uh, in yeah. the point standings, and Sebastian just was able to uh, to put himself at the front of the field all weekend long and pull off the uh, the championship this year. And in the uh, in the mini category, it was consistency. It was six uh, six starts, six finishes for Jack Armstrong. He was able to get the win. Yep, the championship for the uh, Colorado driver. And uh, yeah, like you were saying, we didn't quite get the numbers that we wanted to see in mini max. Uh, Diego LaRock uh, ended up uh, not being able to go to the finale. He was the shoe-in for the championship. 
True. But, uh, but Jack Armstrong was able to uh, prevail with his absence. Well, you know, and I think all of us are kind of wondering what Andy Saisman has planned for the future. You know, he obviously uh, made a statement after after uh, Max Speed announced the the fact that they were were no longer working with BRP Rotax. Uh, we're all kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Rotax. And I think Andy's kind of sitting back when he in terms of what the future of this program is going to be. What are we going to see in terms of the challenge of the Americas in 2018? They, you know, they, they put in 10 years. Uh, any idea right now, your thoughts at least on what the future holds for uh, the challenge? Well, I think anything he does, it's going to be successful. Um, Andy, like we, like I said earlier, the staff he puts together and the way he develops his program, it's very professional, but it's also that it has that fun factor. It has that relaxed atmosphere where you're, you know, you, you, you can go from pit to pit, even though we're all still in our enclosed you know, tense, yeah. you know, you still have, you still have a, you know, it, a lot of the, the people have began back in 2008 with the challenge of the Americas and have been there for the last 10 seasons. So I, whatever he decides it, I think it'll be successful. It, you know, I really don't know which way he's going to go. Uh, people are assuming he's only going to go one way because that's the way to go. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think we, we won't know, maybe in the near future, but we'll know probably by the time the summer months hit. Yeah, you know, Dave, my opinion on it is 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 this, and I told it to Andy when we were at the races, I said, the engine on the side of the cart really isn't his brand. His brand is the Challenge of the Americas. You talked about the Florida Winter Tour being a brand. It's the same with the Challenge of the Americas. It's it's his Andy's program. It's his staff. It's the atmosphere. It's the uh, the culture in that paddock that really is what makes the challenge of America's what it is, whatever the engine ends up being, if he elects to go forward and, and continue with the program, whatever that engine may be, it's still going to have that same culture, that same paddock feel, that same atmosphere. So I think whatever Andy decides to do, he's going to be a success at it because he's, he puts together the right team and, and presents and provides that experience that people are looking for. Well, and I think it also depends on what happens with the Florida winter tour, because a lot of what he yeah, did, right. a lot of what he did, he worked with bill right from the beginning made sure those two were on the same page with one another just so that way, you know, each coast has their own programs, but yet you could do both at the same time if you wanted to. So I think it has to do a lot with what the winter tour ends up being. But as we've seen throughout the last couple of years, a lot of more programs are doing more winter races. So the schedule is really getting flooded with a lot of races and it's good for the race teams, but for some people's budget, it's just, it just doesn't work. So yeah, that's exactly right. It, it's finding the happy medium. And so I think, you know, he's obviously going to bring in a lot of the information and review it and take his time and make sure he he goes the right path. All right, let's put that to bed as well. Let's move forward here as, uh, again, we are in our first ever broadcast of the EKN Debrief, uh, the first podcast of the EKN Radio Network. Lots more to come. This uh, broadcast, this particular podcast brought to you by Russell Carding Specialties. Uh, moving up the coast, David, uh, to the Can-Am Karting Challenge, uh, Mike Rollison's program. Uh, we talk about the future, what happened with Rotax. Uh, Rollison obviously making a move uh, with the Can-Am Karting Challenge as he brings the Mini and the Micro Swift class, uh, the SCUSA categories, into the, into the, uh, the Can-Am. He's, uh, he's obviously worked with SCUSA from the get-go, uh, having the Supercard 2SA shifter card categories, but for the most part, it was a Rotax uh, series. Uh, Mike, who uh, and, and the whole Can-Am, gets set to start, I think, what, uh, end of May, 20th, 21st, I think, at Tri-Cities in Richland, Washington. 
Uh, it should be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, Mike uh, has been doing a lot of Supercar USA racing with his team, the Rawlson Performance Group. Uh, but this is, a, I think, probably a good move for him in terms of, of trying to leverage some of the momentum that's happening on the West Coast. Well, again, Mike's been with the Rotax program since the, almost the beginning as well, too. He's a 2006 Grand National Champion. Uh, he's, yeah. he's developed a lot of the champions that have gone through the program. So I think he wants to keep, you know, he wanted to keep the loyalty with the Rotax program, but he's open-minded. He's very open-minded. He, he just wants racers to come and have a good time. And that's kind of what his program is has been the last couple of years is what I don't care what you have come to our race and race we'll find a place for you and and with the two with the many options that he has with Rotax Miami Briggs uh, the stock Honda program yep. and, and and the tag open programs uh, classes that he's that he's hosted last year and this year as well uh, there there's no there's a place for somebody to race and and that's what their their main focus is 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 Kind of, kind of like what Andy does with his program. You know, just come, have a good time, race against the best people that you possibly can, learn things, and and enjoy yourself at the racetrack. Hey, and as uh, we had not mentioned, you did mention Rotax. He's still got grand finals tickets up for grabs as well. So it's not like the Rotax guys uh, won't have any place to uh, or any reason to come and run the Can-Am. Those tickets uh, to the grand finals in Porto Mayo, Portugal, still up for grabs in Can-Am this year, and I think that shows. Uh, his still commitment to trying to, to, to support the Rotax program, at least uh, give his customers the opportunity to get to Portugal for Team USA or Team Canada, depending on who wins. Well, yeah, the numbers are still there in the junior and senior categories. We saw that at the Challenge um, up in the Pacific Northwest. There's still a lot of junior and senior Rotax racers up there. And with, with those tickets on the line, uh, you can be sure that the best of the best are going to be there at the Can-Am. You know, you mentioned the Briggs LO206, like Andy Saisman adding it to the Challenge of the Americas uh, this year. Of course, uh, uh, Mike's had the LO206 in the Can-Am for a couple of years. People love coming out and playing, and you see some of the guys that come out at, at his events. It's like a who's who of ex-Supernationals winners and, and top drivers who are now tuners who come and play in the 206. Uh, we move on to our Operation Grassroots segment of this edition of the Debrief. Uh, you know, David... Out of the box, first off, you and I both had a chance to to get behind the wheel to start the season already, uh, doing a little Briggs LO206 racing, or 206 as they're now calling it. Uh, I got a chance to race at Cal Speed with the Tri-C Carters, had an absolute blast running the uh, the VLK, or the VLR chassis. Uh, had a great time with the guys at Cal Speed Karting, the CSK team. Uh, I'd never got a chance to race on that track before at Cal Speed, and I loved it, man. It was we ran the Sportivo layout. It was fantastic. I ran the in the in the uh, the spec class uh, with that that new chassis, the VLR, and we had a blast. And I know we got you on board uh, one of Rawlson's uh, Tony carts at uh, uh, at Phoenix. You had a chance to get out there and have some fun as well. It's just it's just good to get back behind the wheel. The Briggs Racing is, is the ultimate grass grass grassroots uh, program. I mean. The, the, le- the level of competition that you can have in a Briggs class, you can have, like you said, former Super Nationals winners against somebody who's been racing three days, <laughs> you know, and you can put yeah. them all together out on the racetrack together because it's all about the driver. You know, it's not about which engine package we have together. You know, it's it, it, it it's just clean cut, great racing and well, racing with. Racing with the Rollison group, uh, you know, it was a great time. The Phoenix track is it's it's a very difficult track to drive. Uh, you've never been there before. You've never been on that track before either. No, I've never been there before. I've seen it many many times. I've just That's never right. seen it behind the wheel. 
it's it's a different perspective, uh, just like anywhere else you go. It's it's always a different perspective. And yeah. it, it, it boils down to, you know, again, it, I, I can't blame the cart. I can't blame the engine. I can only blame the, the big nut behind the wheel, and that would be me. <laughs> Hey, you had some great laps. You had a couple offs. Nothing wrong with that. It's, you're using all the racetrack. I was impressed. Well, from what I've been told, i got to stop using all of the racetracks. So I'll just do that. <laughs> Keep it between the edges, buddy. Uh, Brig, uh, the Briggs Weekly Racing Series just, uh, I think, wrapped up their deadline. Uh, a big push near the end of the deadline to get more clubs to sign on. And they actually have more than they had last year. So uh, not a significant increase in the number of, of tracks that signed on to be part of that program. Um but it's big. You know, it's, you and I, David, we, we keep talking about our support of this 206 program, how it's kind of pressing the reset button on grassroots and club racing. You and I have both raced with engines right out of the box. I did it at the Canadian Grand Nationals. I did it at Rock Island, pulled an engine right out of the box on the cart. I think I was sixth at Rock Island, and I finished fifth at the, at the Grand Nationals. It just, the beauty of that is you pull that engine out, you put it on, you race. And I think that this club program, this weekly racing series, really kind of brings everybody together. You know, I, I was able to score some points uh, when I raced at Tri-C. Uh, that'll be it because you only score points at your, at your one track for that individual uh, listing. But, you know, David, for, for people to be able to, you know, some guy in, in New Orleans to be able to race against the guy in Alberta or a guy in California or wherever it may be, just such a great program put on by Briggs. Well, and that's part of it. It's bragging rights. You know, you that's kind of the fun thing about racing. You always want to be one up on, on somebody. And you, you may have a friend, like you said, somebody in New Orleans may have a friend in the Pacific Northwest or somebody in California yeah. may have a friend that lives on the East Coast. And, you know, just it just kind of brings a little bit of bragging rights. But it also Briggs provides this amazing prize package that gives yeah. back to, the, to not only the tracks, but to the racers themselves. And, you know, a guy on a $1,000 budget could go home with – with a thousand dollar generator, I mean, what, what what's better than that? I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's just it's such, just such a good program. I think one of the things we're going to see, and I said we we they were able to get some some uh, a good number of new tracks signed on this year, uh, but we're seeing this engine just explode. I, I think Tri C Carters in Southern California is a really good example because at one point they were thirty five to forty entries, and now they're pushing one twenty. Uh, because they're just getting so many people jumping on board the, the, the 206 program. They have the spec program with the, uh, the VLR chassis. Uh, they've got, you know, they got this regular 206 senior, 206 junior, and 206 masters as well, David. We're seeing that a lot of places. The, the barrier of entry has been kind of pulled down. It's been easier for people to come racing, and I just think it's just getting people back out to the racetrack. Well, that, that's the main goal of, of, I think, the Briggs program is bringing people to the racetrack. Because they, they can start off here with the Briggs program and move on to, to faster and quicker engine packages. But just bringing more people into the sport, that's, that's kind of Briggs' focus right now with this 206 engine package over, over, since they've developed it. And it, a lot, we're seeing a lot more teams, a lot more cart shops realizing this and now developing their own entry-level programs to get people on the racetrack because it's hard to take take a new person who has never raced before into an x30 or rotax or rock engine and be and be quick it takes time it takes time to develop yourself behind the wheel i mean i'm 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 what 20 some years into it i'm still developing as a driver you know we always you always are and 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 so I think that's what the 206 package allows you to do. It helps you to teach 
uh, new drivers how to develop as a as a racer. And you know what? I'll tell you, one of my favorite parts that I'm seeing right now is a program like the Margay Ignite program, where for thirty nine ninety five you have a brand new go kart and you're going racing and 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 you're in a spec program. Nobody else has got anything that you don't have. You know, Dave, you you've run the last two Ignite uh, challenges at. Uh, uh, at the Rock Island Grand Prix, you know that the guy beside you's got exactly the same equipment. It was less than four thousand dollars, and you're out there racing in an amazingly great go kart with a great engine that's reliable. That's that Margay Ignite program. And it's cool seeing it kind of go into some of the tracks right now. The spec program to tracks. I, I love what Margay's doing with the Ignite. Well, yeah, they take it to the next level with the with the actual spec chassis because yeah. the, the two hundred six program. You can take any cart to get it that will allow your 206 engine to fit on it. Sometimes you have to make modifications, whatever, but get it on a cart and go with the Margay Ignite program. You are on the, like you said, the exact same package from driver to driver to driver. So what does that put? What does that mean? It means your performance is based on how you do as a driver. It's not about the special tires. It's not about the special stagger. It's not about, well, his Ackerman's all different than mine. Well, yeah, you it's, it's, it's you. Figure, yep. figure out how to drive fast and you can be at the front. That's exactly right. And hey, looking at numbers, it's hey, the Newcastle Motorsports Park had their first uh, race of the year, uh, the KRA uh, event. And the numbers that they get in the uh, the 206 classes blow me away every time. Another fantastic start to that program. And, and Newcastle, a place would be a lot of fun, I think, at a 206. I haven't had a chance to drive it there yet. But wow, what numbers to start the season off again. Indy is is a motorsports mecca, and people around that city love racing. And th- there's no better program to get them started in than the 206. And thankfully, through you know, uh, Comet Kart Sales and and all the other teams, Adrenaline out of Ohio, a lot of these programs have been able to get people shuffled in, get them on new stuff, get them on new stuff, and get them out there racing. And a lot of them, is, a lot of those people racing are are former racers that went away from the sport and have come back. Yeah. Uh, so that's that, key. That's very key in, into what they've been able to do. And, and, you know, they tried to do it with the clone package and, you know, it got into engine reliability issues and people mm-hmm. you know, trying, trying to go, trying to go past the limits. And, and that wasn't really catching on. And then they brought in the 206 engine and it, and it, it, it has exploded. And, we see now they have, I believe, three different categories with a full bodywork class, a CIK only bodywork class, and now a master's class. I love it. I love it. Now, let's go across the country again, all the way to the West Coast. And you talk about the explosion of the 206 and what it's done. The KPX Championship in Northern California got their first race of the year off. Record numbers. This is a program that's really revitalizing Northern California. It, it's the race program to be in, in Northern California right now. Uh, over 115 entries they had in just Briggs powered and powered carts. It's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, and, it, and again, it's just, it's just guys getting that got together, decided to develop a, a race series, brought in some sponsors to help, uh, you know, to help fund it. And then just word of mouth. You know, and social media uh, uh, marketing has been able to develop this this series into a big program. And it, again, just like what Newcastle is doing at the local level, these guys are bringing in 
some some national guys down to race 206 races against local people who want to you know get away from their home track and try different tra- race tracks you know that that's part of regional racing uh that's what regional racing really was about when when it first was developed years ago is about taking club drivers to different racetracks and experience different cities different racetracks and then racing against different people Hey, what about and what what about the winner in the senior category uh, at KPX? Uh, Jess Peterson, and I believe it's Jess. I think he won that race, did he not? Uh, yes, Jess won yes. on a, on a. And we talk about the fact you don't need a brand new go kart. No. when it comes to two six racing, I think he was on a twelve year old Invader or something Invader, like that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's awesome. You could take any any type of cart you have, and and you can make it fast. We've seen it at the national level. You can take yep. the best driver. And move him from cart to cart, and he'll figure out a way to make it fast. Well, you can do that with 15, 20 year old carts. I mean, that's what we do road racing, right? We, that's sit, true. you know, we. I have a th- almost thirty year old cart just sitting up in the rafters. I could get it down, put a Briggs two hundred six on it, and go go race Daytona and Mid Ohio and all these big, you know, uh, Laguna Seca like they just had uh, in California. You go race these big tracks and and just have a ball. And that's you know, again, that's what karting is all about: having fun. You know, karting's a big, a lot about family as well, David. We talked about it, and, and there's one of the families, legendary families in the sport. Uh, there's obviously mourning the passing of, of one of our legends. Uh, we lost Kyle Adkins recently, uh, and I'm told that they're going to have a memorial for Kyle on April the uh, 30th from 10 to 6 p.m. at Adkins Raceway Park. David, I, you know, you've been around the sport for a long time, and you and your family have. I'm sure you've got a couple stories about Kyle. I've got one as well, but, uh, man, just an absolute legend in this sport. Well, he, he, you know, aside from, from his driving legacy that, that he was able to develop that before our time, you know, my time and your time in the sport, you know, just, just seeing him around the paddock was, was a joy. You know, you, you could always walk by Kyle and he could be in a bad mood, but he'll give you a smile, you know, and and that's one thing that I will uh, certainly miss with, with his passing, uh, seeing him in the, in the paddock, you know, either at a WKA race, Scusa race or USPKS, it was, uh, It was always great to see him. You know, when I first started in the sport, I worked for National Kart News. I was their editor at large, and uh, they had sent me to the HPV Pro Invitational. I want to say it was 1997. The HPV Pro Invitational, we were at a Buffalo Bills, the uh, the casino and the and the track in the back parking lot. And I'm covering this race, and I roll in, and they're, you know, the, the HPV Pro Invitational was a cool deal. They brought all the top HPV drivers in from around the country, they all came in. They all got a motor out of the box. You know, they put they put they had a special uh, kind of a t shirt they put over top of their of their racing suit with their name and their number and everything on it. And it, you know, it was the stars of the day. All you know, the big dogs were out there. Um, and I, and I remember looking over and saying, you know, who's this old guy? And it was Kyle Atkins on an Invader. I'm like, oh, who, who's that old guy over there? Of course, qualifying rolls out. He ends up putting the invader on the pole, and so that, I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." So the old guy's really fast, and he went out and, and schooled. It was like Jonathan Strom was out there, and, and there was just a lot of really big guns of the day uh, were racing in that in that particular event. And he uh, he schooled him in qualifying, and I was at that point I started doing some research on Kyle Atkins because that was my first ever trip to a, a kart race in the U.S. This guy this guy had some skills. There's no doubt about it. Well, you say research, but Google wasn't around back then. So you definitely, no, yeah. you kind of had to do what, what I do and, and hit the vault with uh, all the karting magazines I have from the, <laughs> from the, exactly from the right 70s. Now. And it, it's funny to see, you know, a lot of the uh, old photos of Kyle 
back in back in his heyday as a driver and uh, see him with Lynn Haddock and Scott Pruitt and all, you know yep. Lake Speed Dismore Dismore all all those big names just uh, it's you know it's it's funny to see but uh, it's definitely a, a hard time uh, for the family and uh, I wish all the best for the uh, Adkins family. Well, there will be a legacy forever in terms of a, the legend who is Kyle Atkins. Uh, let's wrap up uh, our first episode, David, of Debrief with our Fullerton USA racing calendar. Kind of give people an opportunity to know what's, what's coming up within the next month. Uh, this weekend, April 22nd, 23rd, the F-Series Gear Up Challenge rolling again. David, they had a fantastic uh, opening round uh, back in, uh, in March down at GoPro. A lot of great numbers, and uh, they're back at it again this weekend. Um, April 29th, 30th, the following weekend, end of this month, I'm actually going to be, I'm going to be heading to Bermuda. I'm going to the Bermuda Karting Club's, uh, Dockyard Grand Prix. I'm going to do a little announcing. I'm going to do a little driving. So you can enjoy yourself up here while I'm in Bermuda, soaking up the sun. Well, (laughs) thankfully it's getting warmer now, so I'm not not too sad about it. But uh, a lot of people in the Midwest, uh, that weekend are going to be in Norway, Norway, Illinois, as we all know, is home to the Concept Haulers Motor Speedway. You got a little uh, first annual Yamaha shootout going on there. The uh, the track's developing a uh, a little invitational event, trying to bring in some of the top Yamaha racers over there to race a little for money during a club race. Yeah, they're putting some cash up. You know, they're they're talking about trying to get about five thousand bucks up uh, for that Yamaha shootout. I think I think that's a great idea. I love the Yamaha program. I know you do as well. And it's cool to see them get their this one-off event. We'll be looking forward to seeing how that's uh, how that's attended. Uh, after that, in fact, I'll be going straight from Bermuda across all the way across the uh, the continent. Uh, David, we're we're heading to the Spring Nationals, second round of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour in Sonoma, May fifth, sixth, and seventh. That'll be an EKN live event. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to Sonoma. It's going to be a big one at that track. Well, this is uh, the location of the first ever Spring Nationals, the first that's ever. Right. Pro Tour event that uh, was held in 2010. So it's it's gone for full circle now with the uh, the Winter Nationals debut in March. Now we're going back to the to the beginning of the Pro Tour in Sonoma, and there's no other racetrack like Sonoma. It races amazing, and we're going to see some hardcore racing throughout the weekend. Yeah, on the other end of the uh, essentially the, the budget spectrum, uh, that same weekend in South Bend, in the end of the LO206 Cup. Uh, is has their uh, their opening round, so we'll look forward to seeing uh, how kind of a turnout they get at South Bend. Fast forward one more week, uh, May the thirteenth, fourteenth. David, the Championship Enduro Series heading to Gateway. Road racing at its best, baby, in the Midwest. I mean, come on, there's nothing better. Gateway's Gateway's a, f- a fast track. You know, it's a kind of a roval because you use part of the oval, and then you go into the infield. Uh, with with the Margay being right there in St. Louis. Uh, they're going to have a, a a lot of support there with a lot of Ignite dra- drivers there. So you're going to have uh, uh, a lot of 206 racing going on that weekend, but you're going to have a lot of shifters, a lot of tags, a lot of laydowns. Great combination of a lot of everything. Uh, for sure. Uh, road racing, as you know, is an absolute blast. If you haven't tried it yet, you need to go do it. We obviously talked to a bunch of people that I think either got back to road racing or had never done it before. They went to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca for that, their big event, the Corkscrew Nationals. And there were a lot of happy people that will go back road racing again. So if you haven't done it yet, think about uh, heading to Gateway uh, with the Championship Enduro Series. Uh, May 21st, 22nd, uh, <laughs> the, the busiest weekend in May. The k and Karting Challenge, as we said, gets kicked off at Tri-Cities. 
David, you'll be down in the Manufacturers Cup race with Xander Clemens and EKN Live broadcast uh, at Pit Race in Wampum, the former Beaver Run. Uh, LAKC back on track at Cal Speed. Sanzuru Games Karting Championship at Sonoma on track. The Colorado Karting Tour gets fired up at SBR Motorsports. The Texas Sprint Racing Series is in Denton. And the 206 Cup back in action at Road America. There's a lot of racing going on that weekend. Yeah, there's no excuse to not be out there. Well, and again, it's before Memorial Weekend, so everybody's trying yeah. to host a race, get the get get the first race of the summer, you know, almost summer season in the books, so that way people can go vacation or even go catch maybe the Indy 500. Yeah, I'm going to be at the Indy 500. I'm looking forward again being on pit lane with IndyCar Radio. It should be a blast. Last year at the 100th was crazy. They had Fernando Alonso this year, which is amazing. Um, it's the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. is going to be a lot of fun. But that weekend, if you're a carter and you want to get behind the wheel, KPX Championship running at Fresno, the F-Series at English Town, and the Northwest Gold Cup, ICAP Region 6 Gold Cup, getting started at Snake River Carters in Idaho. David, uh, lots of racing in May. It's essentially spring. Uh, I think the winter's finally gone. It hung on for long enough. Uh, it's time to go back to racing, I think. Yeah, the, the the weather here is amazing. The last couple of days, I've been I've been staring at the cart sitting in the garage trying to figure Get out. Get out in it. Okay. We'll drive somewhere. Well, the track's not open. It's kind of hard. That you know, that's the bad part about Michigan. We need we need a uh, we need a Newcastle or a, a GoPro Motorplex or a Sim Raceway right here in Grand Rapids. That is very so, true. Uh, but no, it the weather's getting warm. Uh, racing's been going nonstop since January. You know, it, it's been a busy first uh, four months of the of the season, and it's just going to get better and better as we move on. Yeah, we got a lot of racing coming up, folks. Obviously, David and I will be uh, on track or on the road, rather, uh, for a couple events in May. As we said, the Scusa Spring Nationals in Sonoma, the WK Manufacturers Cup. David will be there uh, in Pennsylvania. I've got a bunch of races with the Mazda Road to Indy in between that as well. So it's essentially a six-weekend run for myself. Uh, we do want to thank Fullerton USA for being the sponsor of our racing calendar to get everybody up to speed and what's happening here at the end of April and through the month of May. But David Cole, 46 minutes, our first episode of the debrief, almost done. Yeah, it, it's weird not seeing you and, and we're talking to each other. I feel like we're just doing a little work thing, but this, this is a podcast now. It's weird. So we're going to... You know, we're going to add a bunch of new things uh, down the line, you know, have a lot of interviews. We're going to be able to talk to people and just kind of pop them in here and there during our, uh, our podcast. Uh, may- maybe we'll get, a, you know, some some interesting uh, people on board with our program. You know, maybe some drivers, some some cart shop owners, you know, maybe maybe some mechanics who uh, who don't mind talking. You know, that's always a struggle. Well, the one thing I got to figure out is I, I need to figure out where the bleep button is on this particular program so we can, you know, could be some issues. Well, I mean, there's no, we've had the happy <laughs> hour, right? We've had, we'll just have a, that's true. That's true. It was, and the happy hours were live too. Yeah, they were, we didn't, we didn't do any editing. There was no editing. It was just boom, boom, boom. Let's go, baby. You know, but uh, yeah, we'll have to watch that. It'll be fine. All right. Hey, listen, those of you listening in on our, our first podcast, thank you so much for, for doing so. Uh, we're excited about this. This is going to be something that we're going to have a lot of fun with. As David said, we're going to get some interviews going. We have a, a bunch of different show concepts as well to kind of bring you – it won't always be the same. The debrief is going to be that wrap-up. We're going to talk about a couple issues 
Probably look, going to look more back into actually the facts of what has happened in the sport. Kind of give you a replay of, of our top stories that we've been posting on eCardingNews.com. We're going to have some commentary shows. We're going to have some interview shows, like David said. This is just something that we're just getting rolling right now on eCardingNews.com and part of the ECAN radio network. It's exciting. It's kind of what we're pushing forward through here in 2017, and, and we're thrilled that you're all joining us. Folks, on behalf of David Cole, this has been Rob Howden. This has been our first ever EKN Debrief podcast, part of the EKN Radio Network. Thank you so much, and tune in once again.